Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. We're finishing up the greater series today, and so if you haven't been a part of what's been happening over the last six weeks, you should check it out. It's on the internet. The World Wide Web is what we used to call it. And uh, today we're talking about how we go together. So last week was greater direction for you. Today is greater direction for us. And so then, you found yourself at the Grove this morning, by the way, if you haven't saw a flag outside. And we just believe in community and relationship and discipleship, getting better as followers of Jesus. And so I'm going to share with you real quick this morning. If you're partnering with us financially, you can do so by clicking one of the nine different things that we do here as we give. So you can give online, you can give with the envelope in the seat back in front of you. By the way, if you're here for the first time today, grab that envelope and fill it out and let us know who you are. I would love to know who you are. I'd love to walk with you, help you. And then if you've been here before, but you're ready to take a next step, you would say, Dusty, I am, and and hopefully after today's message, you figure out why we do what we do and where we're going, you would grab the envelope and check a box and let me know you're ready to to kind of go together. And so in all of that, uh, Malachi 3.10 has been the scripture we've used this month. And Malachi 3.10 says, test me. The whole point of this was when God says, test me, he's serious. And what's unique is I had a guy actually follow through with this. His name is John Morrow. He lives in the great state of Texas, which I'll talk about later. And John took me so seriously that he gave every day last week. And he wasn't just given 10 bucks. He, he gave different amounts every day. And on my, he took a day off yesterday. It was the Sabbath. And so uh, I emailed him on Friday. I, I, t- I told him thank you every day that he gave. And then Friday he said, this has been such a blessing to me. And he has a quote. But he said, I've been so blessed. God has been so faithful to me. He has always provided. I am blessed, and it's my calling to help expand the kingdom. Even though I've never been to a service in Fort Collins, Colorado, I will continue to support what you're doing. And I just think that's amazing. John, I know you're watching today. That's a big deal. Yeah. And so God always knows what you need. God always knows what you need. And man, when you're faithful to bring the tithe to him, it's amazing that, that what that scripture says, see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven. So what John says, I've experienced God's goodness in my life so much that I can do this every single day this this week. See if I don't open the floodgates of heaven and pour on you so much blessing that you can't store it. There are other versions that say that you won't even be able to comprehend it, that the only person that you'll be able to give credit to is God for that goodness. And so then, if you are giving today, thank you. It's a big deal. Your partnership helps us continue to reach this community. So, all right, today, greater direction. And so, How many of you, I I talked about this in communion, how many of you would say by a show of hands that you are not where you once used to be? You're a little bit better. And so you can look over your shoulder and go, man, I'm so thankful I'm not there anymore, right? And at the same time, and that's, that's a really good thing to not be there anymore, amen? And at the same time, I think that we can all go, but I'm not where I wanna be either. I'm not where I wanna be either. And the reality in that is because it takes more than one to go. It takes more than one. You get to a point, and in your relationship with God, he's called you. And we've talked about greater direction for you and a greater you. And, and this series has been all about you seeing God's goodness and his faithfulness in your life. But in that today, I want to show you that um, there is more for you up ahead. And it's, it's not about where you currently find yourself. It's about where God wants to take you. And so here's the thing. Isaiah 43, 18. This is old 43, 18. 
This is Old Testament, and I loved, I loved the vision and the life in this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And so we've been in Philippians talking about Paul putting off and running the race, and we've been in Hebrews, which I'll reference again. And, and I, I take you Old Testament today to show you that God is, God is the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. And he says, do not dwell on the past, but forget it. Forget all that. And he says, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. And the past is exactly that. It's behind you. It does not define you. It probably built your character a little bit. And it's prepared you to move forward. And God can use all of that to help you move forward for a greater direction for your life. Here's what 43.19 says in Isaiah. See, I'm doing a new thing, and I have already begun. The thing about the new thing is, is when we're in the new thing, we can't really recognize it because it's not the old thing. We're just really uncertain and unsure. See, I am doing a new thing and I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in a dry wasteland. Blessing, blessing, blessing. And so it's easy to overlook or not recognize the new that's in front of you because, because that's unfamiliar territory up there. And we should have hope to walk in that when we have Jesus. And a lot of the times we don't. And so the fact that you're not there or there anymore is proof that God's working in your life. Can everybody say amen? Amen. And so then it's, it's scary because it's unknown, but with God, it's always greater. With God, it's always greater. So where are we now? What you need to know is you can't play by hearing that Old Testament scripture. You can't say, well, not me. I'm not good enough or God can never. You can't play that card because in Acts 2, in Acts 10 and Romans 2, it says God's not partial to anybody. God is not partial to anybody. And I didn't put that on the screen because I wanted you to write it down. God's not partial to anybody. So you can say, well, my past is this, or I have to do this tomorrow, or you don't know where I sit today. And none of that matters because God says he's not partial to anybody. He has no favorites. He sees all of us as sons and daughters, and that's good news. Okay. So when it comes to where you are in your relationship with God, there are two places you can be. And the first place is, and, and this is the, the place that many of us kind of enter our relationship in, and it's the finish line. This guy's exhausted. Look, finish line. And we've lived this whole life behind us, okay? And we find ourselves right here. We prayed, and we've established a relationship with Jesus, and we've crossed the finish line. Now, Salvation is not the finish to something that you're just thankful to be out of. It's the start to something greater that God's called you to. And so it's not the finish line. It's not hold on for dear life. And man, when you hit the line, oh, just thank God. Thank God I'm, I'm going to heaven and my name is in the book. That's great. That's all great news. But a finish line leads you to look back and think about what was. I got here and now just thank God I'm not in that anymore. And then our mind continues to lead us to think about all the things that we shouldn't be doing and the things that we have been freed from, but that are still or could still be a struggle for us. And finish line perspective takes really more of you. It's exhausting to you. And you have to take and say, well, look at everything it took me to get here. And really your testimony is not where you came from. It's who God is. It's who God is. Your testimony is not, look at all the things I did to get from here to here, and I went over there, and I was here, and look at that. Your testimony is how good God is to you in your life. This is the day God saved my life. This is why he saved it, and this is why I'm here. That's your testimony. It's not all that garbage behind you, right? 
And so then a finish line perspective is going to make you think and take, oh, well, uh, I don't know if I can go. There's, there's doubt with a finish line perspective because all you know is what's been, right? And now I'm not sure about where I'm going or how I'm going to get there. And so then the reality is this, the day that you call on Jesus to save your life, you step to the starting line, okay? And that starting line is something where you come up and you say, okay, here I am. And the call to salvation, we say this a lot in church, is the call to the mission. It's the mission where God said, where he told his disciples right there, we just referenced one of those moments, go into all the world and make disciples. What is that? Build believers, build people. And a starting line, it means you, you start something. You're starting something. You didn't finish anything when you called on Jesus, okay? You're starting something. Starting line perspective takes more of God because you need hope for the future that's in front of you. I need hope for what's in front of me, not regret for what's behind me. And so what we need to clear up today is that salvation is the beginning of something great in your life. It's a journey. It's a race that you get to run. It's a race that you were created and called to run, and God called you to it specifically. He says that the church, the body of people, the body of believers has many parts, and we all have a part in the mission. The thing that we overlook, the thing that is unspoken, the thing that we, the, that we sometimes jump right past when we step to the starting line is the expectation of what it means to be a believer. And you would say, well, I believe, but does, yet nobody ever told me that there was an expectation, like I have to live a certain way now. And, and when you think about entering the, the call to salvation, entering the mission that we're in, and who we're called to be as believers, and if you, look at, if you look at that without zero expectation, that's a finish line perspective. Well, I got here, and my name's in the book, and I'm going to heaven, and I don't care about all those levels, and and who goes where, and how big their mansion is, I'm just glad to be here. And God didn't call you to maintain or to kind of work in that area, right? He called you to go. He called you to grow. And so then the Bible says that he is faithful when we're unfaithful. It says that. And a lot of people go, well, that's good. That's good. I'm so glad he is because, man, my faithfulness kind of stinks sometimes. And I'll just go ahead and echo that. My faithfulness kind of stinks sometimes too, guys. Sometimes I'm inconsistent. Sometimes I'm all over the map. Sometimes I'm discouraged. Sometimes I'm excited. I am all over the place. God is always going to be faithful when we're unfaithful, but that does not give us the excuse or the reason to go, ah, it's good enough. With salvation, there's an expectation to become like Jesus. That's what it means to be a follower. That means we are building Christ-like character. We're becoming more like Jesus every day. And so then, which means that we're going to act a different way and we're going to talk a different way. And we're going to live our lives a different way because we have made Jesus the Lord of our lives. Here's the funny thing. Victoria talked a little bit about it last week, and she did amazing, by the way, if you missed it. Victoria talked about having a greater influence on the next generation. And she talked a little bit about Lazarus. And what's, what's unique about Lazarus is the same with every person who's ever came in contact with Jesus. Those who come in contact with Jesus leave different. They leave different. Their lives are changed. You don't come in contact with the living God, the, the creator of the universe, the one who called you into existence and leave the same. So when you meet Jesus, it changes your life. And it's not that he wants anything from you, it's because he wants everything for you. And he opens your eyes to see that there is a new day, I'm doing something new, and this is great that's in front of you. Have hope for that future, right? 
And so then being a follower of Jesus, God expects faithfulness to be in our walk. And our relationship with him is like every other relationship. It's a two-way street. There's exchange. And so side note, how often do you talk to those you love the most? You should talk to God just a little bit more than that, okay? If you want to know how to do that, find me after service. The Bible says he's faithful till the end, which means there's an expectation to that. That means he's always there and he's going to be there long after the time that we're gone off the face of the earth. He is faithful till the end. That means those who are faithful to him to the end, I'm talking about the expectation of stepping to the starting line. Those who are faithful to him until the end, those that live in relationship, those that live on mission, those that do not cower at the face of just the slightest bit of somebody might not like, you know, the, the color shirt you have on. Those that continue to make an effort to live with Christ-like character will receive the recompense. That is the full blessing of God. They're going to receive the inheritance, which is in heaven, right? Here's what Psalms 119 says, and I'm paraphrasing this a little bit. It's going to look like a lot of words. Just hang with me. I know that you don't want me to read you the Bible today, but you have to hear this. It's the amplified version. And this is, this is kind of knocking in the final nail of what the expectation is of us when we follow Jesus. Here's what it says. Blessed, happy are all who follow Jesus. Blessed, happy are all who search for God and do his will. Blessed and happy are all those who reject compromise with evil and walk only in his path. And then David switches here and he goes, when I search, when I follow and I obey, I will not be disgraced for I will have a clean record because you are my redeemer. You restore my life. And after you have corrected and redeemed me, I will thank you by living as an example the way I should. I will follow you. I will follow you. That's the expectation of coming to the starting line of your faith. And so then you would say, well, how do we do that? I'm so glad you asked. David hits that verse 9, and 9 10, 11. He says this, how can anyone stay pure? It's a super simple. By reading your word and following it. By reading your word and following it. Pastor Robert says it every time he preaches. Read the New Testament, do what it says. What's David say here in the Old Testament? How can anyone stay pure? By reading your word and following it. The more I search, the more I find, the better I follow. The more I want to follow. That's amazing. When you think about what God does in that moment, when you say, I'll give you the first minute of my day, Lord, God just kind of stokes that fire and he turns that one minute into two, into five, and you find you can't get enough. But it's just making the commitment to go once, right? And here's what David says to finish. I think a lot about your words and I store them in my heart, which is great because that's how you're going to fight your battles in life. If you don't have God's word in your heart, what do you have? Your Twitter feed, right? And so then a lot of words, I store them in my heart so that I will honor you and keep from sin, which means I've entered the race. So then I'm going to run the race that you've set out for me. I'm not going to go back and run the race that I was running before I found you. We don't do that, right? And so then paraphrased, Psalms 119 says this, blessed, happy are those who step up to the starting line, who keep with the Lord, who follow his word, and who live as examples. That's Psalms. Now, when that happens, and we believe now we're going to, I'm going to shift you to us, what happens is you don't step to the starting line alone, it's us. And we step to the starting line together with the same mission, vision, heart, calling, and when we step to the starting line we can actually be Jesus to our city. And Karina's got an amazing slide for you for this. 
And this is what it looks like when we all step to the same starting line and are on the same mission for the same cause and the same purpose. And then we can actually be salt and light to our city when we go together. All these people are all going the same direction, by the way. Because the starting line is that red thing up there. I don't know if you can see the red thing. Starting line, it's amazing. And they're fixing to run, and it's going to be awesome. But this is what happens when we all believe the exact same thing. When we all step to the line with the same expectation of who we're called to be. And here's the good news. As part of the body of believers, that's what the church is. The church is a body of believers. It's not a building. So God bless everything that's here. It's amazing. But the church is you. The church is you. And so then you never step up to the starting line and go, I wonder where I'm going. You never step up to the starting line and think, man, I'm going to get my butt kicked today. We approach the starting line with a sense of anticipation, expectation, urgency, and with the positive mindset, any race you've ever run, you've always thought, I've got a good chance. I've got a chance, okay? Even if somebody next to you might be more athletic, you still think, I have a chance, okay? They could pull a hamstring. They could stub a toe, right? I'm still going to win. I don't know how I'm going to win this thing, but I'm going to win it, right? That's how it is when we step to the starting line. Now, this is the starting line we approach together, but you are in, a, in an individual specific journey that God's called you to. But man, when we do it together, man, it changes our city. It changes our city. It's all the same race. It's all the same race. And, and what's unique about this is it's all the finish line. The finish line is heaven. The recompense, the inheritance that we receive is heaven. Everybody say heaven. And so then, what's unique is this. We can line up for a marathon and we can line up for a charity, and we can walk, run, and roll for a cause all day long. Why? Because we know what it's for. Oh, well, I'm going to go, and I'm going to support this, and all the proceeds go there, and that's so good. I'm not knocking that. That's amazing. God bless you for doing that. But what happens when we line up, and we don't do something for a what, we do something for a who? What happens when we actually go out from here this week and influence those who are around us to show them who Jesus is in our lives, right? Because the reality is this, people, people are going to come here because of you, not because of me. I don't have a big name. I just believe in a big cause. I believe in a big name. I'm not a draw. Do you know the draw to the church is Jesus? It's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Now, if they don't see Jesus in you, what makes them want to come? The reality is this, you can come in and go, hey, man, you should come to church with me. And if the person on the other side of your conversation goes, well, wait a second, I don't see you do anything I don't do. I mean, you talk like me, you, you walk like me, you smoke like me, you drink like me, you party like me, you do all these things that I do, that you serve a God that, that does that, that's not going to win them. Those who come into and experience Jesus leave differently. And there's an expectation for us to walk as followers, as salt and light. And so then, how do we do this? How do we do this? It's Hebrews 12.1. Put off, leave, strip off every unnecessary weight. This is the third time I've referenced this one scripture in this series. That keeps you. That keeps you from what? That keeps you back here. That keeps you back here, alone, battling your butt off, Right? And run with endurance, with persistence, the race that is set before you with the expectation of, I follow Jesus now. And he did change my life so that I'm going to do that. Now, the race that is set before you is one that you enter when you become a believer. That's how he can say race here. Run the race. What race? The race, the starting line that you stepped up to and you said, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Okay? 
God called you into existence, which means he called you to be. Your next step in that is he gave you a choice to believe. That's your choice. You're not a robot. Everybody has the power of choice that walks the face of the earth. And so he gave you a choice or a chance to believe. And that comes with the opportunity to become a follower of Jesus, which then allows us to build the kingdom. Kingdom is a real churchy word for people. We want to build more followers of Jesus. We want to build more people. So then he called you to be so you could believe, so you could become, so we could build. That's the direction for the church. And so then if you believe that, you understand the expectation when you receive Jesus is to show more people who he is. And your faith is unique because it's something that God wants for you. God sent his son Jesus for you, not so that you would give up your life. God doesn't want anything from you. It's all his anyways. He understands that we don't. And so then God wants your salvation for you because you have a race to run. You have a race to run. Now, I was in the great state of Texas last week helping out a church. Um, I got to go down for a conference for two days, but then I went for two days and spent some time with a friend who passed a church down in Fort Hood, which is the largest military base in the country, and got to be with some amazing people. And I just want to tell you that I am a builder. That's what God's put in me. I just believe so much in what we're doing. I believe in who Jesus is, and I believe that every, every single person who roams the face of the earth should hear and will hear the name of Jesus before, before it's time to go. And so then if I don't do everything I can for that, I believe I'm failing. And so that's, you just heard the call of my life. And so I'm in Texas, and I'm going to take you a step further in this morning's message and share a little bit with you what I talked to them about. Now, this would be more of an all-staff talk. So you just became staff members. Congratulations. We can all grasp the start line and the finish line. There's lots of ways to interpret how you're going to run your race. You understand the expectation that it takes now. You understand that we must do it with persistence, which is intentionality. We must do it with endurance. That means be consistent, right? Be consistent. And there's so many scriptures on that. You can say, well, I think this scripture really pours to that. And that's why the Bible is called the living word. It'll change your life. The same scripture you read yesterday won't be the same today. You should read the Bible and do what it says. Okay? And so our family mission, our family vision, our values, everything is rooted in Colossians chapter 3. If you want to know who my family is, read Colossians 3. You'll say, oh, that's Dusty. That's the Otis family. Now, I've tattooed Colossians chapter 3.23 on my right wrist. You can't see it because I didn't put it there for you because I'm not really a showman, okay? And so Colossians 3.23 says, whatever my hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. That means whatever my hand finds to do, it's this, if it's this, if it's this, whatever my hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly. You want to know how to fulfill the expectation that God put on you when you entered the race? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it wholeheartedly for God. Be all in. The Bible says be hot or be cold, but don't be lukewarm because that's not a good place to be, okay? Here's what Colossians 3.23 says in the Amplified Version. I think this really brings a lot of heart to this. It says this, whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord, not for men. I want to take this one step further. We talked about the finish line and the starting line. By the way, this analogy I'm going to use is not to be violent. I don't, want you, I don't think anybody is going to leave here and go hop on a battleship anytime soon, so we're okay. But the analogy I'm going to use is not to be violent. It's to help you understand the difference between a finish line mentality and a starting line mentality, the cause of Christ versus the complacency of Christ. And so this is just an analogy. And it's easy to perceive and have an expectation 
that when we step into a relationship with God, that we step onto a cruise ship, okay? And a cruise ship is beautiful. Look at this thing. It's amazing, okay? I've never been on a cruise. I'm too much of a control freak to do that. I have to have a car so I can get away. I have to, okay? And so here's what's unique about the cruise ship. It's very casual. Now, listen, if you're going on a cruise for vacation, that's amazing. But your Christian life is not meant to be lived how you live life on this ship. Living life on this ship is very different. Would everybody agree? It's very different, okay? It's casual. It's very comfortable, okay? And you can consume all day long. The agenda you have is whatever you want, right? And the commitment that it takes to get onto this ship after you've paid your fare is really up to you. You can give as much or as little as you want to when you step on this ship, right? And, and when you get on this ship, it's really about your agenda. That buffet is going to be open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you can sit in that sweet chair by the deck. We, let's look at the pool deck of this thing. This is the deck of a cruise ship. Come on, look at all those empty chairs. Just call on your name right now. And in those chairs, you can sit and consume as much as you want. And you can order as many special drinks as you want from any of those chairs right there. And they're going to bring it to you. And to the point that you would say and be so just in the moment of consumption that some person walks by and goes, hey, how about this? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take another of those too. Like, just, just keep it coming, right? And this, the consumption mode is not the cause of Christ. It's comfortable. It's easy. It's great. And the finish line mentality is one of this, where it's just like, ah, oh, finally, finally. And man, when you get to go on vacation, you get to exhale a little bit, and you get to go on a cruise. It's amazing. I'm sure it's amazing. I like to drive 26 hours from Florida to Colorado with my family for vacation. It's the best, okay? And so then, when you look at the deck of this, what you see is, is this is not the mission. If the mission field looked like this, missionaries would be all around the world in every city, and it would be like, yeah, right? Now, you began something when you got saved, and God called you to a starting line of something, okay? And a crude ship mentality leads us to live our lives with a what about me approach, which leads us to consume. And sadly, that kills our mission as the body of, of believers, as the church. And it sucks the life out of us, okay? Now, you're going to be in one or the other. You're going to be in a cruise ship, or the next slide is a battleship. And this is really more what the starting line looks like. What a beautiful ship. I tried to find one old and rusty, but I couldn't, okay? When you look at this, there's no picture of the deck. When you see the deck, the deck is loaded with guns, Right? And when people see the picture of this ship, your countenance immediately changes. You immediately go, oh, that's not fun, right? One, it's going to cost me something to step on that ship, right? There's, there's, my agenda doesn't matter when I'm on this ship. One, I've had to pay my dues to get here. And because I am here, now there's an expectation of me. And now it's not about my agenda. It's about what, whoever, whoever the boss, whoever the captain says. And we all have an expectation. We all have a responsibility from the captain to the newest person on the ship, right? And so when you step on the ship, what you know is it's, this means it's time to go to war. We have to battle. It's time to battle. And I, I know this is a little bit of an extreme analogy, but I want you to know that when you step to the starting line, the, the Bible says that, that we are in a war, okay? That you don't fight against flesh and blood, but against spiritualities and principalities and, and all these things that are coming. And the devil doesn't like you because you like Jesus, Okay? So you're in a battle every day. And so if you sit back and just take whatever is given to you, you're going to find yourself in a really bad, bad, dark, plot, dark spot. Right? But if you look at it as 
okay, this is what we're called to. And the cause of Christ is the greatest cause on the face of the earth. And so I am going to be committed and I am going to go with purpose because there's a purpose when we step on this ship, right? It takes a stronger commitment. And so then people aren't laid back on this ship sipping special drinks, right? They're not. They're manning a position. They're on mission because they believe in the cause. If you agree, say, I do. And so then you're not going to find anybody doing anything outside of what the responsibility is to step on the deck of that ship. And so we have to ask ourselves today, are we going to sit back and sip free coffee and lounge, or are we going to reach people for Jesus? Are we going to cruise, or are we going to battle? And is it going to be based on your feelings, or is it going to be based on the mission, right? When we battle, we fight for each other. That's what these guys do on the ship. When you step onto a cruise ship, you can not talk to anybody if you don't want to, or you can talk to everybody if you want to, but but nobody's there together, all a similar agenda, but not with the purpose of this ship, right? And so when you see the cruise ship, it's going to reach your emotions, right? Oh, nice. And you think about consumption and, and easy, and you think about pleasure, and that's all great. And you think about your agenda, right? And you're on your time on the cruise ship, and that's great. But God says there's a day he's coming. He's a coming. And so when you're on a cruise ship, the cruise ship mentality that we have is really undefined because it depends on us to do it. Now, when you see a battleship, it reaches your heart because you know what it takes to get on there. You know that people have given their life to ride on that ship. And you have a sense of purpose and you understand that it's about us. When we're on that ship, it's us. And it's everyone together. It's about the mission. Everybody say mission. So the more that you define your commitment to the mission, the more that we become like a battleship and the less we become like a cruise ship. And that's the more that we'll rally and reach our city. And so then, you're going to be in one or the other. You're going to cruise or you're going to battle. I have a newsflash for you, by the way. Salvation is not an encouragement. It's an expectation. That's why God sent Jesus. Salvation is not an encouragement. It's an expectation to jump on mission, to jump on mission. Lucky you, you're right where you need to be. You're right where you need to be. I want to finish Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read to you 24 and 25. I'm still in the Amplified Remember, there's a recompense for the, for the expectation that's on you. There's a, there's a reward for you in heaven for those who actually have a life change. They come into contact with Jesus. They have an experience. They make a decision to follow. There is a reward for you. Remember that God shows no partiality, that nobody's a favorite to God, that you're all sons and daughters. So here's what it says. Whatever you do, whatever your task may be, work from the soul. That is, put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord. Knowing... Here's verse 24, knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord, not from men, that you will receive the inheritance, the recompense, the blessing, which is your greatest reward. It's heaven. It is the Lord Jesus whom you actually serve. Serve is what's tattooed on this wrist, by the way. And with God, there's no partiality, no special treatment based on a person's position in life. How many of you are here because you know it can be better? Will you raise your hand? You know it can be better. It can be better. I see silly clips of people talking who lead our country all the time, and I think this is the best we got. It can be better. It can be better. You all believe that real growth, real community is going to start with a real relationship with God. Here's the final point. So you crossed a starting line. You're on a battleship. Do not do it alone. Let me show you Zeus. 
Zeus is a Belgian horse. That's a massive horse. By the way, Zeus is seven foot two. Shaquille O'Neal is seven foot three, so he's about to the middle of that ear, okay? Now, here's what you need to know about Zeus. Belgian horses are some of the strongest animals on the face of our planet. Zeus by himself can pull 8,000 pounds alone, okay? Here's what's unique. If I get Zeus's friend and I say, hey, I'm gonna put you two horses together, those two horses together can pull 24,000 pounds just by getting hooked up together. They don't know each other, never saw each other, ever. So Zeus alone is pretty strong, right? But now let me, let me link Zeus with a horse that he knows, a horse that's been in his stable a few times, a horse that, uh, that, he's, that he knows. When I hook Zeus up to his brother or to somebody that he stables with, those two horses can pull 32,000 pounds because they know each other. Because they know each other. It's a relationship. One horse alone, 8,000 8, pounds, is pretty impressive, more than I can do, okay? Two horses that don't even, that just are acquaintances can pull three times as much. But two horses that know each other, that walk together, that are in it together, can pull four times as much as one horse. You're not meant to do this alone. When you step to the starting line, it's not you, yourself, and Irene, okay? It's us. It's us. If we're going to have a greater direction as a church, we have to realize that we've all, regardless of past, there's no partiality, we've all stepped to the starting line of something really great. And it's the greatest cause on the face of the earth. Now in your heart, you have to decide how great that is. But once you decide you've actually made it to the starting line, right? You're going to look ahead because there's hope for the future that God has for you and hope for the future God has for us, which is our city. It's our city, it's our community, and it starts in our circles. It starts with the people you know that are closest to you. The second thing you realize is you're gonna have to battle. You're gonna have to battle. It's not gonna be easy. It's called a life of purpose. You have a life of purpose now. All that back there, it might've built your character and it, might have, and it might've helped you. It might've prepared you for this moment. But now with Jesus, I've crossed the starting line. Now I have a life of purpose. I'm going to battle. And three, we go together. We go together. Don't, you can be as big as that horse if you want to be, but that horse at some point is gonna come up to something he can't do. But with two, or two more gathered, right? It'll be done. Here's what Ecclesiastes 4.12 says. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily torn apart. It's not every man for himself when we gather. That's what makes the gathering so special. You're in a place with like-minded people who believe in the same God that you do and the same son that saved your life as you do. And so then here are your action steps. It's pretty simple. One, be about Jesus. Be about Jesus. When you come into contact with Jesus, he changed your life. People will see that. So then ask God in this, be about Jesus. Ask God to fix your perspective. I'm gonna challenge you to read Psalms 139 every day this week. It'll take you less than 20 seconds. Read Psalms 139. Ask God to search your heart. The second thing is be about Jesus. Lead others to growth in a relationship. Sorry, be about the mission. Be about Jesus, be about the mission. Lead others 
to growth in relationship with Jesus, to whom much is given, much is required. That means we're on mission together. It's us. It's us. It's going to take all of us together. When you understand what's at stake, when you understand what's at stake, you realize that people are dying and going to hell every day outside the walls of this church. They're probably at Walmart right now or Target or whatever your favorite box store is, okay? When the mission means something, we rally together and we go. And we look like that group that was on the starting line together, right? We throw our special drinks to the side and we lock arms and we go. And that's who we're called to be as a body. The third thing is be about the body. Don't say one thing and do another. Don't say one thing and do another. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Let people see Jesus in you. Be consistent in your walk. Be consistent in your walk because, because you are held accountable for every other believer. Don't you just love that? <laughs> it's really one of the more silly things in life is that everybody who says they believe in Jesus, we all get put in the same box. So make the, brighten the box up, will you? Just brighten the box up. <laughs> if being a believer means something to you, let people see it in your actions. And so today we've decided that we've entered a race and if the call to lead people to live in a relationship with God means something to you and, and, and it's personal, I'm just going to ask you to hop on, hop on with us. We're stepping into a series next month called I Was Built For This. Next week, I'm going to talk about how you can go with everything. You have everything you have right now to go. How you can go with what you have. We'll talk about it next week. If you believe in growing in community, it's important. This is the place. This is, this is why we gather. I'm going to ask you to join us. Be with us. Be consistent here. We need you. The city needs you. I don't need you. The city needs you. The city needs you, okay? You believe that? If you believe that, then, and you want to be part of that, we will accomplish everything that's in front of us. It's green light. It's wide open. God's prepared. We just have to walk. When we walk together like the horses do when they pull, great things happen. We move mountains. Amen? Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.